Hi, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it's movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. Today on the show, I do a shift with Graham. We have a fat chat about everything from Black Adam to superheroes to whether or not Tom Hanks is a nice guy. It's, <laughs> it was a great chat. And uh, let's get straight into it. So this is me doing a shift with Graham Hackney. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? How's it? What is up, dude? It's been a while since we've done anything like this. It has been. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything with you? Yeah, same old, kind of, pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. Getting through it all? Yeah, one day at a time. One day. One <laughs> foot ahead of the next. Yeah. Uh, um, what have you been watching? You know, not that much, to yeah. be honest. You're going through I, a little I, gaming... Spree. Yeah, kind of. Also, what happened, I realized this the other day, I mentioned this to Cole, I made the mistake of watching Venom. Okay, and the first Ve one. And Venom 2, Let There Be Big Red Venom. <laughs> and it's just, I'd, I have had no desire to watch anything after watching those movies. So it just sort of it, deplete you? It killed my, any enthusiasm I have for watching movies for a while. Oh, okay. awful. Mm. I thought the first one was fine. It's okay. It, it would have been like a great superhero movie in 2005. When did it come out? Like 2018, 2019. Oh. Yeah. It was awful. Okay. The no, second I... one was, okay, the first one, I guess the first one's okay. Yeah. You know, like Tom Hardy's enthusiasm is is evident. Yeah. You know. And I remember someone saying something like, I just love the fact that he never looks polished. He never looks um, sort of well-kept and yeah. super manicured. Like, that must have been a really tough film to shoot because mm -hmm. he spends the whole movie which you forget is six months eight months of this guy's yeah. life like sweaty and dirty yeah <laughs> like, you know because it's over the course of a day or two yeah in this guy's but life he's just filthy he, the whole time as he gets this weird demon stuck inside of him <laughs> and he just gets shit spilt over him and yeah. he's sweaty and dirty yeah and imagine being like that for six months of your life oh my goodness <laughs> no thank you um i've brought it up before but there was a buddy of mine set who after we watched um, Ready Player One in the sort of D-box seats. Oh, yeah. You know, move. Yes. He was like, I'm boycotting Hollywood. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, I can't handle it. Uh, a, a mon a, what is it called? A monitorium. Um, where sort of everything just sort of pauses. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I can't handle this for now. Yeah. No I one Ready Player One. I think it's a fun movie. I loved Ready Player yeah, One. And but those D-Box things are so stupid. Yeah, yeah we watched um, Batman. Were you with us? No, I didn't it was see Batman. Myself and Cole. The Batman. Mm. In those, uh, um, in, uh, New Metro's got those, those 4D or whatever yeah. seats. I think it does the complete opposite of what it's meant to do. Yes. So it advertises itself as being like, so immersive. Yes. Every time that seat, shakes you you become so painfully aware you're in a moving yeah. seat because you're not moving yes so it just feels ridiculous yeah. and then when the lights flash it does the opposite of immerse you it, yeah it reminds you you're in a, in a cinema 
So the best it does is is <sighs> is there's like an extra sound or like wind mm-hmm. when the wind kind of hits you when they're like outside or yes. when they're traveling fast. Like that's subtle. Mm. And I think maybe there's like mist for a little bit of rain. Like uh, okay. that should be it. Yes. They should they could save hundreds of thousands of rands. Yeah. Millions by taking out seats that move. Yeah, you don't need jiggling seats. You don't need that. Anyways. That's very silly. Rent rent over. Um <laughs> I've been watching a lot of television. Mm. That's a, yeah, I've been watching series. That's the only thing I've been watching. Have you come across The Mole on mm, Netflix? No. It's a super, super interesting concept. I mean, yeah. obviously, we are just trying to milk every teat out of the <laughs> udder of reality TV. <laughs> but this one is particularly interesting because it becomes a very interesting uh, experiment in in psychology mm. and critical thinking and cynicism. No. So basically what it is, is you've got a group of people that are participating in a game show where they've got to do challenges where they make money, okay? Okay. But somebody, one person, is, is actually hired by the TV show to jeopardize the game uh. and ruin it for everyone else yes. so that they don't complete the mission, so they don't make money. Right. And the point of the show is to find out who that person is in the group. But everyone's going, you know, I think he's the mole. Yeah. I think I think Graham's the mole. Well, I think Cole's the mole because he did that. That's real mole behavior. Everyone's <laughs> fucking saying it. Yeah. So nobody knows who the mole is. Yeah. And you, as the um as the as the audience, mm. don't know. Okay, yeah, I was about to ask yeah. you, do we know who no, the no. Okay. We don't know. So That's interesting. when one thinks about how a reality show or any kind of concept might hook you yeah. when you think of like addiction and I'm sure they've got all these kind of metrics of like if you're still watching by episode two or three there's a whatever percent chance that you'll watch till the end yes this one is is so much better because you 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 need to know it's a mystery you yeah. need to know who the mole is yeah so the way they then eliminate people is at the end of each day they all have to do a, a quiz mm-hmm. based on who they think the mole is. And the person right. with the least correct answers goes. Okay. So obviously they're not the mole. Yes. Because they'll keep the mole on. Yeah. And they obviously had to structure it in such a way to make sure that the mole never leaves. Because yeah. if you think about it, if you do a game show and someone loses. After one episode, Even the if they tried out. their real hardest, yeah. um, you know, you could send the wrong person home. So this is why that structure is in place. Yeah. And, um, and it's fucking cool. Mm. Yeah. That's right. It's so a cool idea. The Mole on Netflix, I think it's, it's, it's still safely in the, in the category of garbage TV. But it's like at <laughs> least smart garbage yeah. like it's it's compelling garbage yeah yeah but speaking of more compelling yeah is we watched um we're busy watching the thai cave rescue um uh, limited series yes it's literally called the ron howard was he involved yeah he directed it didn't he uh, i don't think he's involved i thought ron howard oh we're we talking about a d- the documentary or the so film? there's a few this Yuck. isn't the documentary this is and i heard the documentary is cool mm-hmm. that's called like Escape. Or I can't remember something. what it's called. It's like yeah, one or... word. Um, this is a six, eight part series. Okay. Where it's reenactments. It's um, it's a biopic. It's it's. Is it the one with Viggo Mortensen? No, there's like no Hollywood people in it. Oh, okay, it's all it, like it's because Ron like Howard did do. I think he did a tie, movie. 
Oh, with okay. Viggo Mortensen. That's about the same thing. Yeah, you know, I, I think that. it's on okay, Amazon. Well, let, let's look for that mm. and maybe add that in the in, in the, the cash up. In the cash up. Yeah. So this is like this feels far more grassroots. It's got actual Thai people, obviously. Mm. In it being very authentic actors, yeah. some like to the point where like they're almost a little cheese, yes, because they're not proper actors, yeah. But but you very quickly can look past that, okay. Um, and it's super interesting. It goes into their families and their family stories, and they say like it's this has been dramatized yes. for for effect. Yeah, yeah. So some names and stuff have changed, but um, yeah, it's cool. That's right. Where is it? What's it on? Uh, Netflix as well. Okay, cool, cool. Um, then another one, which is in a similar vein, is a is a three part. Uh, now this is a docu series, so this is not people acting to mm. camera. This is this is um, interviews and and archival footage. Um, a a docu series called Aftershock okay. about the twenty fifteen avalanche and earthquake in Everest. In oh. in Nepal, I don't even know anything about that. Totally, I had no idea it even existed yeah. that it happened. But this massive earthquake happened, and they look at two or three points and they tell stories. Okay. So there's um, there's people at base camp and mm-hmm. on the mountain of Everest who get stranded and stuck, and then there are these hikers in this valley, like down the valley, and how these like whole towns just got obliterated in minutes, yep. like minutes as this sort of avalanche happened. And then uh, the this big city in Nepal, and I'm now drawing a blank. Mm. What is the big Kathmandu? What is um, it? I'm also drawing a blank. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the fucking big city in Nepal. Yeah. Where, you know, everyone's living on top of each other and these mm. structures like that just got obliterated. Yeah. I don't even know. That it's yeah, it's so crazy that we can live in a world where where... We just don't know. Yeah, I didn't hear didn't anything about that. Didn't didn't didn't, um, didn't uh, penetrate. That is nuts. Yeah, it was wild. Um, which makes me think of the same kind of in the same vein. Mm. The there's that um, thing on Netflix called Fourteen Peaks. Okay, which is about a Tibetan um, Sherpa. Yeah, who uh, just to show the world mm. does this like crazy summit of all these mountains all the mountains that are above 8000 okay. meters high yeah and he smashes them in like uh, like a few months Jeez. where the lo- the only person sort of known to have done this mm. it took them like 8 years or 9 years or something like something crazy yeah and they obviously got huge recognition and the world knows them and they're yes. a westerner yeah and the point of this a little bit why perhaps you and me didn't know about an earthquake mm. in um in, in Nepal yeah. is like, you know, the world, not to say the world doesn't care, but the world, um, you know, it's like he's he he did this amazing feat, mm. which is kind of unspeakable fitness and yeah. strength. And literally in his kind of little ceremony, he was like, let's be honest, there would be far more people if I was a Westerner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he said, like, it's let's be wrong. honest here, there'd be more media, yeah. there'd be more hype, but... You know, yep. he's this crazy dude who was part of this kind of Nepalese army or this particular kind of army in, in Indonesia. Mm. Um, I think he spent some time there. Uh, I forget his backstory, but I mean, it's just, 
you know, he, he would be running at five in the morning with like a heavy, heavy backpack yeah. as training. Like that would be his morning yeah. jog. So if anyone could do it, it's this dude. Yeah. And if you're doing that all in Nepal, you're already doing it at like a whatever elevation. Yeah. And stuff. My Lord. Have I told you the story of when I saw Everest? No. <laughs> okay. So um, did this um, very cool trip uh, with the ex to India. Yeah. One of those trips where it was like very well planned and, and very cool and India was great. Mm. <laughs> Don't, don't need to go back. But but <laughs> very glad I saw it. Yeah. But what the highlight was for me, and it was a little bit of an uncharacteristical thing to do on a trip to India, mm. was to go to Darjeeling, which is this mm, okay. highest one of the highest towns. Yeah. And you and you basically are in the Himalayas. Mm. And it was a lovely thing to do. We stayed in this Beatles themed hotel, little Airbnb, so it was like five rooms. Each room was a different beetle. Plus the manager, Brian Epstein. And you could, um, and and there was a TV with a collection of like Beatles movies you could yeah. watch. Because there's a connection. I was you know, about there, to ask, this feels so con- arbitrary. There is a connection um, to a lot of India through yeah. the Beatles. They went through their kind of hippie, psychedelic, mm. mindfulness, uh, transcendental meditation. Yes. They had a... Um, very famous sort of uh, relationship with like a guru or a guy and they okay. spent a lot of time in India. Right. So it's not uncommon for like there to be a connection to, yes. to the Beatles. But it was strange to be yeah. in this little mountain town. Um, and it was it was a lovely, a lovely uh, town mm. um, high up in the mountains. And, um, and so the, the debate was, you can go to this particular hill yeah. to get a good view of Everest. Because mm. you just see these mountains up ahead of you. Yeah, It's so bizarre. You look out over, because you're high up, and you see the clouds. Mm. And then above the clouds, you see these mountaintops. It looks right. like they're floating, like Avatar. It looks like they're sort of floating yeah. in, a, in a place you've never seen them before, because you've never seen mountains this high yeah. in, your, in your eye line. Um, so that was amazing to begin with. Um, but then we were debating the fact that there's this particular hill that you got to go to to get a good view of Everest. But the but the tricky thing is it's often overcast, and you got to go there in the dark. Uh, you got to okay. wake up real early. Yeah. And what happens if what happens if you go real early, and you never get to, and you get there, and by the time the sun comes up, it's overcast, yeah. and you've wasted fucking <laughs> hours of your life. Um, so we were having this debate in the back of a taxi. <laughs> While we were going to visit some thing like a tea or like a tea farm or, or some little attraction in yeah. the town, and we're like, "Yeah, but what if we? But we want to see Everest. We yes. can't ever see Everest." And the taxi driver goes, "There's Everest," <laughs> <laughs> just like points, <laughs> and we're like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, "It's that one." I mean, granted, it was far away. Yeah. Like, perhaps the view would be better. Yes. From this actual hill, you know, if you spend hours, whatever, traveling to get closer. Yeah. But I was like, what? And we just like pulled over and we just had a good look at the peak. And we we're like, in the distance, but we were like, yeah. oh my God. There it is. That, that's it. <laughs> it was uh, a great moment. Uh, shout out to a good friend of mine, Remy, who, who got to the top this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's been, um, she's been doing it for a while and building up to it for a while. Mm. She did both Everest and the one next to it. Because that's now mm, okay. the... Um, that's now the the thing. Yeah, it's not about just getting to the top. It's uh, it's, okay. it's actually relatively easy to get to the top. Mm. Okay, granted, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, relative. So now the challenge is really 
Everest and this other one. It's called mm-hmm. like okay. Lotse or Lotse. The, the challenge with Everest is actually um, just the timing. Yeah. It's the timing. You can act, There's only a, a particular window in May. There's like mm. a week to two weeks window in, in May yeah. every year where that's the window to go to Everest. You yeah. can't go any other time. That's why you see these pictures of like traffic jams, yeah. of queues of people trying yeah. to get up this mountain. And she's like, it's it's also just not necessarily that difficult. You just need the time to acclimatize and mm. come back down and go up right. and come back down. And you could you could walk up it in a day if yeah. it wasn't so high. Yeah, It's interesting. Mm. So yeah, so it's that kind of stuff, which mm. I think has been cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think whether there's anything else that's blown my socks off. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I've been enjoying that kind of stuff. That's cool. Well, you said well, that documentary you said it was called Fourteen Peaks. Yeah, Fourteen Peaks. Okay, cool. I'm stuck that up. That sounds really cool. Um, but we are excited. Mm-hmm. Well, we are interested to see what Black Adam's going to be like. Curious, curious. I don't know if I'm excited because does anyone care about Black Adam other than The Rock? But also, because The Rock is like super enthusiastic about this. Do you feel coming? As a sort of, what are you, mid-30s? Uh, yeah, 36. Okay. You're a little bit like me. Mm. We're, we're, we're bordering I think I'm a year younger than you. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that we all, all of us, got mm-hmm. very um, brought up in the hype of Marvel and that that bubble, for the most part, because we're kind of on the back side of the biggest climax. Yeah being what the, all the movies kind of built up to, which yes. became the biggest movie of all time, yeah. at least for a period, which were the Infinity... Um, fucking... What's it called? Infinity Stones. The Infinity Stones. Yeah. The whole the whole Thanos story. Yeah. And Peaked so post, with Endgame. Yeah, and then didn't your... Maybe it's different because you read the books and the comics and stuff, but for me, I feel like I've peaked now. Yeah. And I kind of feel like the joke's on me... <laughs> for giving I so mean, much attention to it, I because honestly had Marvel fatigue long before that point. Okay, no, I was, I was like, I'm a part of it. It was a little yeah. bit like if everyone else was like cheering, you kind of feel like, oh, like I'll cheer too. And yeah, you like look around and go like, cool, I'm in it, I'm in it. I'm a part of something. I'm a part of history. Yeah. And then after a while, you're like, oh, I'm in my late thirties. What the fuck am I doing <laughs> watching like superhero movies? I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm saying like I do have Marvel fatigue. I'm kind of. I don't watch everything anymore. I kind of pick the things I watch as opposed to like in 2010, you're watching everything that came out. Yeah, there was a feeling, or at least I felt there was a feeling where I had to, I had to participate. Yeah. Like I had to watch the next one because it's like, this is now the introduction of Dr. Strange. Like now I need to know who Dr. Strange is. Yeah. But now I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But also because in my opinion, the last two biggies being uh, Thor, Love and Thunder Mm. and the, Doctor Strange and uh, Multiverse yes. of Madness. Yeah. Like both of those are not great. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, like yeah, I think it's it's hard to go anywhere after Avengers Endgame. Because yeah. it is like the peak of all the storytelling. Yeah. And it's kind of fallen off from that point. And I kind of get like there've been a lot of people saying, Oh, they really need like a point since they've segmented these things into phases and phases yeah. all have like their own little like arcs and everything yeah everyone's saying oh this phase needs a point so i'm going like does it can we not just just do it for the fun of it just let directors make movies get yeah. direct like guys like sam raimi and taika Waititi, and just let them make the movie that they want to make he he did sam raimi did 
this last one, multi, Multiverse yeah. of Madness, hey? because he's got the dude. The guy's got yeah. the cameo. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. What's his surname? Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. yeah. So the evil bad guy. Yeah. So 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 Sam Raimi, just a bit of a back of the box, um, is a is a director who now does big, yeah, you know, big Hollywood things like Doctor Strange, and he did the Spider Man. Yeah, he did this with the Tobey Maguire. Trilogy. But, but came from a very cool history mm-hmm. of really cool films and very experimental, yeah. mostly awesome horror, horror stuff. Yeah. Uh, most famous of which were the Evil Dead films, yep. and um, and the hero of that who he worked a lot with mm-hmm. was this guy called Bruce Campbell, yeah. who who was was a great actor for what he was yeah. for what he was doing. He's a fun, cheesy, self-aware. Yeah, and in a way was pretending like he was this kind of Hollywood leading man, yes. although he kind of never was because yeah. there were such indie movies. But he sort of portrayed himself as if he was a Hollywood leading yeah. man. And then what's lovely, and I just love these Easter eggs because we spoke obviously about the Wilhelm screen. Mm. And I love, I love making people aware of this is that in the movies of Sam Raimi, at least these big budget ones, there will yeah. always be this little cameo of yeah. Bruce Campbell. And then... And in Doctor Strange, he's the guy who sort of serves him something at the, on the side like of the road. He's selling hot dogs or selling something hot on the side dogs of the and, road. And he gets him to sort of beat himself up. Yes. But it's cool. The moment I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, Raimi did this. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like they, they let him direct some of that movie, it feels like. But the, so then, speaking of kind of auteurship, which is the, the term for sort of where the director kind of really has a sort of a, a stamp. Mm. Um, good old Taika Waititi uh, obviously did wonders with Thor Ragnarok yeah. and took what was a very serious, quite dark, quite brooding franchise, yeah. the sort of Thor movies. The Thor movies sort of felt like... They um, were way ha- too serious. Yeah, they felt like high school Shakespeare productions. Yeah. You know. And then he came along and did Ragnarok and it did really well because yeah. he injected it with some... Of his humor. Yeah. And, and he played to Chris Hemsworth's strengths. Yeah. Like his humor and all that sort and of thing. And it was such a great mix of it all mm-hmm. where it was serious. It was lots of things at stake. And you had this very sort of serious character, but then you gave him this, m- these moments to, to be funny. Yeah. Where I thought Th- Thor Love and Thunder was like, let's make every scene yes. a Watiti joke. Yeah. To the point where it completely demeaned him, mm. and he just became a joke. Yeah. Everyone was a joke. Yeah, like no one was serious. I mean, that's been a problem in Marvel movies kind of for a while since, like Joss Whedon did Avengers, where Joss Whedon's style of writing ensembles is to make everyone the comedic foil, as opposed oh, to have your one. That? Yeah, I, I thought I, feel I like... thought all those others were okay. They had moments like for mm. me. Um, uh, old Iron Man was, yeah. was that guy. He was the quip. Yes. And he would make the little lighthearted joke, which just sort of deflated the balloon of seriousness, mm. just to the point that it never popped. <laughs> yeah. And I often feel like that with movies. And I think yeah. South Africans could also take a lot out of it. When someone, I often watch a drama or a horror or someone's trying to sort of do something quite serious mm. with South African cinema, and they just focus so s- strongly on that. Yes. It just it just feels like a drag through the mud, and you're yeah. like, why would anybody want to be dragged through the mud? You've got to have a moment of pause, yeah, where it's funnier, mm. and it's just got a moment to just have you relax, take your guard down, and then you can be more afraid, or yes. then you can be more emotional. But 
after a while you just get completely desensitized. Yeah. And so there is a you got to get that balance right. But I thought in Thor: Love and Thunder they didn't get that right. Yeah. No, I agree. Are you? Do you like soccer? I don't really like soccer. Not particularly. I but really I care. I enjoy um, Welcome yeah. to Wrexham. Yes, you you mentioned that it's before. Yeah. And they're releasing more and more. Um, episodes now, mm. so I'm really getting into that. Yeah, well, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, they announced Deadpool 3 uh, with Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. He, he sort of so famously retired the role. Yeah, after Logan. Logan, they killed like, him off and... Come back from, he's coming back yeah, for more. He's coming back to do Deadpool 3. But obviously not as sort of old man Logan anymore. Can't uh, be. But we have no idea. He dies. Yeah. So I mean, it obviously I, I, happens before that. Or they're doing like the multiverse stuff that they started playing with. Oh, God. You know, it gets complicated. <laughs> um, he was by no means the first option for Wolverine, huh? Well, yeah, the original cast was Doug Ray Scott. Mm. He is a Who's that again? Scottish actor. He's not in a lot of stuff. He's the villain in Mission Impossible 2. Like, that's kind of the, the main thing he's known for. And Mission okay. Impossible 2 is actually the reason he couldn't do um, X-Men. Because he was cast as Wolverine. He was going to do it. But yeah. there were delays on Mission Impossible 2. There were like weather delays. Then he was injured doing a stunt. My favorite and all is, this the, sort of thing. is the blonde dude, his henchman. Oh, my Lord. In Mission Impossible 2. Also an Australian, uh, well, an he Australian was actor. Yeah, he's an Australian actor, but he's doing a And he did a South, a South African, African accent. <laughs> a trying to do a South African accent. <laughs> it's such a great little Easter egg. I and can't you remember like, that actor's name. And you like if you just weren't concentrating, you'd miss it. But there's yeah. one or two like great South Africanisms. Like, <laughs> Aina. Yeah, he goes Aina. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. And it's, it's also like completely unnecessary. Yeah, like he didn't have to be South yeah, African. It's never mentioned. It wasn't like plot wise. We're like yeah. in um, Lethal Weapon Two. Oh yes, diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I uh, I met I hung out with these dudes in New York, um, and we were playing a poker game. And the only reference that these Americans had yeah. to South Africa <laughs> was Lethal Weapon 2. And, so, and, um, and uh, it was hilarious. Like, and I was doing really well in this poker game. Yeah. And every time, <laughs> every time I won, the one guy looked at me and went, diplomatic <laughs> immunity. <laughs> it was so mm, funny. Yeah. I had to like so desperately tell them that South Africa was more than just this like <laughs> shitty. Yeah. Well, not shitty. I mean, it was a fun movie at the yes. time, but it's so funny when you watch Lethal Weapon 2 because yeah. like it's in the opening credits. Yeah. I mean, it's in the opening sequence where they're being chased and they're like, what? What language is that? Yeah. <laughs> Busy talking <laughs> Afrikaans. There was a brief moment when, when South Africa was such an enemy to the world. Yeah. That we that we were the bad guys. Yeah. In that moment. Yep. Fascinating. It's hilarious. Yeah. What other good South African Oh, Daniel Craig plays a South African in um oh, yeah, in, I never saw in that. Munich. Yeah. It's very small and it's also very subtle. Mm. And he does the accent okay. Um Leonardo DiCaprio. He was like, like Yeah. Yeah. I mean technically yeah, it wasn't great, but you can make the argument technically he's doing a Rhodesian accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I still mean, it was whatever. kind of that. What is it? Uh, Matt Damon as go, well. Go buy yourself. Go buy your wife something pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon said it was one of the hardest accents he yeah. had to do. Did yeah. I tell you the? Did I tell you the 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 audience stitching story? Yes. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that's a little. That's a little uh, callback to yeah. an older episode. I think we did it on on air, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that came up in a previous yeah. episode. Right, go find that. Um, 
Uh, yeah, we were saying because Doug Ray Scott was almost Wolverine. Oh, and then the other great fact was that um, Hugh Jackman didn't know Wolverines were an actual animal. Oh, really? He was studying like when he was like an actor prepares. Yeah. He was preparing for a fucking wolf because he <laughs> thought like it was wolf-like. Yes. And then till someone was like, no, no, no bud. Yeah. It's like a big weasel. <laughs> it's a big weasel. Yeah. Like that's what you are. And he's like, oh, God. Did that um, wrong? But the other thing about that film, because um, like he, he missed out on X-Men because of that. But Ian McKellen, who was in X-Men, he was offered the role. I don't know how well you remember Mission Possible 2, if you don't remember at all. That's for the best. Um, Anthony Hopkins is in it as like the, the like head of the whatever Tom Cruise works for. Like very oh, briefly, but Ian okay. McKellen was offered that role. And if he had taken it, he would have missed out on both X-Men and Lord of the Rings because it delays in the shooting on Mission Impossible 2. Oh, wild. Like, yeah. that would have been insane. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2 is the is the crazy one. It's such a strange film. It's the it's the Ang Lee. Yeah, it's, it's Ang Lee. No, it's... Um, Not Ang Lee. Um, 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 John Woo. John Woo, thank you. Yeah, yeah. John Woo with all the rough edges sanded off. So all like his hyper violence and everything that he that he was famous for and did so well in his Chinese films. Yeah, it's just not there because it's a PG thirteen American movie. Yeah, and a, but it sort of it was like it was it was it's always interesting when you see some creative thing, be it music or film, or it, when you're looking at a franchise, going like, are we going there? Is this yeah. where we're going? And then like after one film, it's like no 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 yeah. no no no, we're gonna well, dial that back. John Woo is the only because. For up until Mission Possible 4, I think, there were there was a new director for each film, but John Woo is the only director who wasn't asked back. So when they first made Mission Impossible 2, they first approached Brian De Palma because he did the first one. Okay. And he turned it down, so they went to John Woo. But when they did 3, they didn't even go to John Woo. No, no, because you can see that it just it, it sort of dialed it in the wrong direction, which yeah. was like, okay, we realized... We found the line yes. of of silliness, yeah. and it's there, and we're not going to go back because mm-hmm. now it's it's always been rooted in, and I think that's been its success mm-hmm. when you put it against Fast and the Furious. Yeah, is that it's like obviously the Mission Impossible, despite it being ridiculous. Yeah, it's still like ridiculous within the confines of some normality or yeah. some realism where Fast and the Furious is 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 silly. Yeah, they're very silly um, films. That whole thing of like. A car going from the one building into the yeah. next, like ninety nine point nine times, like that yeah. would never work. But I mean, even if you compare them to, I mean, I suppose a more direct comparison would be James Bond. Yeah, the James Bond films of like the time of when Mission Impossible started were also like insane. Yeah, you know, the world is not enough and die another day in those films. Yeah, the Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah, it's interesting how they've all represented their time. Mm sort of a sophistication of the 60s and yeah. then the sort of ridiculousness of the 80s and then the hype, yeah, the violence and action of the 90s. Yeah. yeah then then the, the Jason Bourne films happened and they went, oh, let's just do that. Yeah. Casino Royale is very Jason Bourne. Yeah. It's curious to see what they'll do next with yeah. James Bond. Yeah. Have you heard anything about who's... Not really. Like there's like new rumors constantly. Yeah. Who would you want to be the new James Bond? I mean, like an Idris Elba could be cool. Every, yeah, everyone goes to Idris Elba, man. It's such a good choice. He's just such a great... He, he narrates something on um, on Netflix. There's like... Mm. A, it's called Human Playground. Okay. Where it's all about like the extent of of human ability and the fact that we play. It's oh, all about okay. play. Like what we do for fun. Yes. But just his voice is so yeah. good. 
He's such a great actor. He's so good. There's a there's a little gem out there. I think it's on Netflix called Turn Up Charlie. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's one of those you you. It's an old thing that someone must have done Mm. with with Idris Elba before he became too famous. Yes. And it's a it's a sort of small series. It's just one season. Um, it's, it's it's the way British make TV, which yes. is like they don't want to make season after season yeah. with many many episodes. So they've got a story. So it's, yeah, it's like a limited series mm. in a sense, but it's like a, f- a comedy. Okay, where he is is the buddy of of a guy who um, is struggling to find a nanny for their kid. They're wealthy. He does uh, okay. something. The woman is a is a music producer. And Idris Elba is is the buddy who was a sort of one hit wonder with like a sort of a club track. Okay. So it's kind of semi well known, but kind of hasn't kind of made it work since. Yeah. And then he kind of gets on well with this kid, who's this mm-hmm. kid okay. that's grown up with celebrity parents and is this kind mm. of insolent kid. And they develop a relationship, and they basically are like, "Please, can you actually be the nanny?" Like, oh, I know this right. is demeaning, but. We actually need you to be the nanny just because okay. she's the only one that kind of looks, that, that, that sort of listens to you. Mm. And it's, yeah, and, and he's trying to do his, bring his music career back, but he sort of forms this relationship. Right. And it's, it's charming and yeah. it's fun. And it's one of those, like, it's deep within the algorithms of, of Netflix. Yes. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it's there. It's mm. not even going to be served to it. you because it must have been made a while ago and yeah. then someone just sort of uh, stuck it on. Yeah. Um, there's another great film, actually similar-ish premise, called I Used to Be Famous, Okay. which is on Netflix. Do yeah. you still have Netflix? No, I, I use my brother's account. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a stupid name, mm. I Used to Be Famous. Yeah. It could have had so many other better names. <laughs> but it was like a guy, imagine one of the dudes from like a band like Boyzone. Yes. Like the world remembers Ronan Keating. Yeah. But, but like, who was the other guy? Yeah. So... But a little more poppy, so maybe a bit more like um, Blue. Remember there was that mm. band, boy band Blue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine like one of those guys yes. is the main protagonist. Okay. And he is also now like kind of down in his luck, hasn't made it work musically. Mm. Um, and then encounters a, a, a kid who sort of, it's a whole story, but I don't want to get too much into it, but basically forms this friendship with this kid who's a drummer. Okay, the kid himself is on the spectrum. He's yeah. he's he's effectively autistic, mm. and so there's a there's a challenge to sort of how their relationship c- can work. But they basically t- form a music group. Okay, and and they become like this kind of viral hit. Okay, and they f- sort of he sort of gets a new lease on life mm. through it. But it's all about like just music being amazing and. The power of music to, you know, uh, heal and help and mm. just be fun and all about sort of second chances and it's a bit of a made-for-TV movie, but it's got more chops to it. Okay, which is why, like, it's got a stupid name. Yeah, like it could be a it could be a better name <laughs> mm. and it could be more of an indie film, but it's a gem. Okay, I think it's a gem. Cool. Yeah, I used That's to be famous. I used to be famous, and it's just endearing. Yeah. It's just got a smallness to it. Mm, where it's intimacy. Just, you know, yeah, an intimacy, and I think that's great. And okay. Speaking of which, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking my head off here, <laughs> is um, I rewatched Sideways. 
on oh, Disney Plus. Oh wow! Which is also like such a small, yeah, little story about a friendship yes. of two guys. That's the one with Thomas Hayden Church and yeah, Paul and Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. And it was um, uh, who directed it? I can't remember. He, he's gone on to be quite famous. Mm. Um, ah, it's gonna bother me now. But uh, I also just realised they're both Spider-Man villains. Anyway, yeah. moving on. <laughs> uh, Alexander Payne. Oh, okay, okay. Directed it. And um, back of the box of Sideways is it's um, a week before the one guy's wedding. Mm. These two, guy, two buddies go on a wine week, a wine week yeah. where they're going to play golf and drink wine in, the, in Northern California. And um, the, yeah, interesting things ensue. But, but, um, <laughs> When we watched a, when we watched it as part of a, a, a film school, I'll never forget the the screenwriting lecturer going, "This could have happened in South Africa. Uh, like this could have been like South Africans could have made Sideways. Yes, set in Cape Town, two yeah. buddies go on a weekend trip. Yeah, to Stellenbosch, and all those stories, all those personalities, all those characters could have been translated. Yeah. We could have made the next Sideways. Yeah, that's a good point, Such actually. Such a great movie. Mm. I haven't seen it in years. Not going to drink the fucking Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was on Disney+. Plus. It's weird, the stuff you find on there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I love it. I'm, I'm, it's, it's sort of like discovering a whole new sort of treasure trove. Yeah. But going back to James Bond for a second, what I'd really like to see them do um, is make a sequel to the Daniel Craig films. I know Craig is out. Okay. But they... They built such a great supporting cast there, with Rel- with um, yeah Ralph Fiennes as M and yeah you know the guy who plays Q and Naomi Harris as Money Penny and bring back Lashana Lynch make a 007 again, bring back Anna De Armas in a bigger role, you know oh and because make- that's because they kind of set it up that she could be the next James well yeah Bond. well at the well, start she could be the of, next 007 in that film she is 007 at the fir- when yeah. before Daniel Craig like comes back into MI6 or whatever. That's interesting. Like, give it back to her. Then you kill the bro off. Yeah. And so then it's like, cool. Like you can still make your other James Bond film with a new James Bond. Like your audiences understand like, you know, yeah. multiple timeline. You don't have to call it that. Well, but like audiences will get that if you make a sequel to that. Because they like that supporting cast is amazing. Those characters are great. That's cool. Mm. I must say, going back to DC, because then let's yeah. just talk about Black Adam and Blue Rock for just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, Jesus, we've got to get back to work. But... Um, <laughs> The one thing that I guess is refreshing and and nice about an, being an audience member for these superhero movies mm. is that DC at least allow you to just kind of remake and redo and yeah. have many versions. And it's not like everything has to be within this one yeah. recipe book. And it I, can be anything. And then you can make it a Joker and you can win Academy Awards. Yeah, make a billion dollars. Which is wild. Yeah. Um, and then you could kind of just do it again. Yeah. Just get someone else to be the Joker. Get yeah. someone else to be Batman. There's, there is something very liberating about that. Yeah, making these like kind Creatively of director films, basically. You know, yeah, Matt like, Reeves do whatever he wants. Do it again. Just let Todd Phillips do whatever he wants. I kind of wish they, like, because to an extent, like, they're kind of playing both sides here. They're kind of half trying to catch up to Marvel and half trying to do the other thing where they just do whatever they want. And yeah, I kind of just wish they would pick one. Like, just well, let directors even, make movies. Yeah, I think that for the most part, they've made that decision. At mm. least in my head, it feels like they have, which no. is which is cool. Like, yeah. And so Black Adam, where does he fit? What makes him interesting at all? Well, 
Did I you ever he's read been comic? around for? I mean, he's appeared in a few things that I've read. He's a Shazam villain or a, a Captain Marvel villain. Shazam was Captain Marvel. Yeah. You know, his original name was Captain Marvel. In DC, they had. Yeah. A, they had well, a, this was before Captain Marvel predates Marvel comic books. Captain Marvel was around in comics before Marvel even existed. Oh, okay. as Captain Marvel. Okay, but not in any way linked to the sort of no, Brie Larson Captain Marvel. We know. Yeah, completely different character. Okay, um, he was a dude, a white guy. Yeah, he's like the <laughs> the kid who gets given the powers, says his magic word, and becomes a superhero. Okay, so that's the thing with with him. Um, okay, so they, that's Captain Marvel, which then becomes Shazam. Yeah, they call him Shazam now because Shazam was his magic word. And now because of like a lawsuit, they're not allowed to call him Captain Marvel anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Marvel theory, was like, Marvel's our name. You're not allowed to call it, even though the character predates the company, which okay. is bizarre. That but DC yeah. owned. Yeah. So originally he was from a different, because at that point in time, there were way more publishing, but it was a company that DC ended up buying at some point. Okay. Yeah, so he okay. became a, a DC character. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's where Black Adam comes from. Black Adam is a is a... Captain Marvel villain, a Shazam villain, who gets his powers from the same like source, like the Shazam magic word thing. Because okay. Shazam's an acronym, I can't read what it stands for, but it's like the source of all his powers. It's okay. like the wisdom of Solomon and the strength of Hercules and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Each one is like a different mythical figure. Oh. Um, yeah, so he gets his power from the same thing, except he's evil. Okay, so Black Adam is not a good guy. Yeah, Black Adam's straight up villain. <laughs> But they kind of seem to be trying to pitch him in this one as a kind of anti-hero sort of thing. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, at this point in time, the the Dwayne Johnson brand. You can't make him a bad guy. Yeah, he he can't play a bad guy. Well, he can, and he should. Has but he, he ever? doesn't want to. Yeah, I mean, his first movie role, he's a villain. He's the Scorpion King in the Mummy Returns. Oh. And then he I did. Mean, was he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> some of a, him was in the Mummy Returns. It was a really bad version yeah. of him. But yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. Um, he didn't even show up. And then, like in <laughs> they Doom, just, they just took a they just took a, a memory of what he looked like and, <laughs> and digitized that. <laughs> they took, they made a drawing of what they remember him looking like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was sort of the villain in that. So he was the villain in Doom, the Doom movie, uh, yeah, which I is see, awful. Yeah. Film. I don't understand. Um, but yeah, he's he's going back to his older stuff. It's it's amazing how far he's not a good actor, but it's amazing how far he's come as an actor. Yeah. You know. If you go back to like when he did like because they did the Mummy Returns and then they made the Scorpion King movie just after that the like okay. spinoff thing oh, which I don't remember I know I think I've seen it but <laughs> I don't go, remember yeah. anything about it yeah but um, he, he honestly genuinely just seems like such a nice dude yeah he I does. actually had a I had a fight in a bar with a buddy of mine about this <laughs> where basically my argument was like there's enough out there for you as a member of the public to decide. And pretty much agree that he's a good guy. Yeah. As a dude. I mean, he's like a total workaholic and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. But, but, but. Loves his fans. Yeah. And he's so committed to everything that he does. He's, if, you know. if he is an asshole, he's very good at hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting because there's, there's a couple of arguments now about Will Smith where it's like, mm. is this what he always was? Yeah. And he was just really good at hiding it. Yeah. Like, was there this kind of dark side, this yes. ability to break? Yeah. You know, because there's a politics to that. There's a politics to keeping your cool. There's a politics to sort of always showing up and smiling and waving and being... Well, I mean, there's a, there, it takes effort. Yeah. It's, it's why the queen was good at being the queen. Yeah. Because she just always showed up. She never let anything out. Yeah. 
She never acted out. She never spoke out. She mm. did duty. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> slight tangent because Tom Hanks is also known as a super nice guy. Yeah. But curious enough, I don't know if you've ever, let me try that again, ever saw Dinner for Five. No. It was, a, it was a show that John Favreau hosted. Where, uh, where they all get around the table. Yeah, and they have dinner just at a restaurant. And it's like a bunch of like celebrities, like his celebrity friends. Yeah. Who aren't there to like promote anything. It's not like yeah. a talk show where they're there to like talk about the new movie. Yeah. And it's not scripted I, in any way. I've seen some of it, yeah. yeah. But curiously enough, the two times that Tom Hanks came up on there, it was the one guy from, there's a guy, an actor named Ron Livingston. Yeah. Who's in Band of Brothers. Yeah. Who said about Tom Hanks, if anyone in Hollywood were ever to go postal, yeah. Um, Tom Hanks was going to be the guy. Tom Hanks was one day going to lose it and just kill a bunch of people. What? And then okay. the guy, I can't remember the actor's name. He's in Saving Private Ryan. He's the Jewish, the Jewish soldier. Okay. Said the moment John Favreau said, what was it like to work with Tom Hanks? Before he'd even finished, what was it like working with Tom Hanks? He's going, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. Saying he's the worst person in the world. He's terrible to work with. He didn't speak to any of the other actors. Like b- between takes, the only li- only thing he would say to them was like his dialogue, and then he would disappear. Oh. It's bizarre. Interesting. It's bizarre. No, are you listen- either either it's like true and he's awful, or for some reason there's like a running joke in Hollywood where Tom Hanks is super nice and people, as a joke, t- say that he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's also you'll never you'll never please everyone, yeah. and also. People love, this is arguably why so many of the fights break out on the internet and why certain of the wrong people get the wrong attention because they say something that is juicy because it's not like everyone else. Yes. And so maybe this guy didn't have a great experience, but then he enjoys speaking out against it because he gets attention because it's so different. It's such a different story. Mm. What happens if he wasn't a nice guy? Yeah. (laughs) And so like, it's a great story to tell. Yeah. Or maybe when he was younger, he was a prick and he's nice now. People change. But also, like, I, I know if you, I've, I've got a resting grumpy face. <laughs> and I know that often at short straw and music related things, I am there to, to make sure that something happens. Mm. And so I'm often like in some concerned phase to figure out or make sure we're going on or who's next or do they have this right? And, and, and so like I'm concentrating and I'm kind of working and I could appear sort of grumpy. Mm. I could appear short yeah. with someone. Um, and it takes a lot of work to, you know, to snap out of that and give someone attention. And, yeah. and I know that like guys are often good about that. I'm, I certainly try where you're like every fan that comes up, not like we're swarmed, but over the years we've we've had a lot, and and we've all agreed that like this is your one moment to to show this person. Yeah. And even if you are grumpy or hungover or tired, like you got to help make it's your job to make a good impression. Yeah. But you can't win them all. No. And you meet so many people that are so excited to meet you that <laughs> there's a good chance. No, I'm mean, not talking about me now. Yeah, now yeah. I'm talking about Tom Hanks. Yes. That that like it, you could very easily let someone down. Yeah, yeah. Think about how many people are on set and Saving Private Ryan. It's like it's hundreds, it's like hundreds of so, people. I'm to sorry make that I didn't movie. talk to you, but yeah. <laughs> because in a in a in a podcast he just talk about he spoke about funny enough. Yeah. The only thing he kept talking about because he wanted to talk about it, not mm. because he was prompted, 
is he's like, it's all about the hang. He's oh, like, this is Tom do, Hanks. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I do movies and the best movies are the one where there's a good hang. Mm. Where it's like, all I want to do is hang out with people. <laughs> so it's funny how someone could say he didn't talk to anyone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, let's get back to it. Yeah. Um, watch The Mole. Yes. <laughs> if you've got something. Yeah. If you want to get into something. And then maybe we'll watch Black Adam and report back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exciting to see what could make it special. Yeah, because DC is, you know, they've, they're up and down. They haven't been as consistently successful and as consistently loved as Marvel. But this one doesn't look like a Joker. Yeah. Which from afar looked so unmistakably different from yeah. everything else. This one looks like flying dude. Yes. Superpower man, big punches. trucks. Yeah. It's like I mean, in a sparkly suit. Like it looks pretty cookie cutter. Yeah. The, I mean, the thing that, that I honestly am not really interested in, Black Adam, I'm, co- I'm excited to see Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. That's going to be fun. Okay, so this is a... Who, who's this character that you um, know? Dr. Fate is basically DC's um, Doctor Strange. You could put it that way. He's magic. Oh. He, but he's, but I, mean, I mean, Pierce Brosnan with a sweet-ass beard and a cool helmet thing is going to be fun. Okay. Because he's a fun actor. I really like Pierce Brosnan. So funny. There's a, there's a guy I know. He's the sort of brother-in-law of a buddy of mine. He's got one of those little goatee beards. Yes. And I made a joke the other day. I was like, he looks like a magician. <laughs> And then later on, I was trying to remember his name. I was like, it's the, the magician guy. Yeah. And they're like, who are you talking about? I was like, it's the guy that looks like a magician. I can't take him seriously because he looks like a magician. Yeah. So yeah, goatees oh will do that. Yeah. But well, let's, let's hope Black Adam is more Zack Snackadoodle's Justice Friends and less Suicide Squad. Okay. <laughs> I, I had to decode exactly what you were talking about <laughs> yeah, there, sorry. but it makes sense to me. Zack Snyder's Justice League. I called Zack Snackadoodle's Justice Friends. Lovely. <laughs> All right, that was me doing a shift with the, one of the co-workers, Graham Hackney. My name is Russell Grant, and uh, this is the part of the show we call The Cash Up, where it's our chance to make sure everything balances in the till before we close up shop and go home. Uh, the thing to really kind of stipulate at this point is all the different Thai rescue films that are out there so the one we obviously spoke about was Thai Cave Rescue which is on Netflix then the the actual film itself uh, which is on Amazon Prime which was made by Ron Howard the filmmaker that's called 13 Lives and then there's also the National Geographic documentary called The Rescue so there's quite a lot to consume when it comes to that but the one that we were talking about the most was called Thai Cave Rescue which is the biopic uh, series the limited series which is on netflix magic okay so if you want to share the love we are the video store.co.za get in touch with us over on instagram which is the video store pod and over on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the video store magic we'll see you next week